hey, hey, it's me, Rad Celebrity Hairstylist here, your host of the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. Today we have an exciting show, an exciting guest, Natasha Wood. So Natasha Wood is in the beauty industry and she's also part of OPA. So I want to say welcome, Natasha. Thank you for being on the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. Um, we'll let you just kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit about your background. Great. Thanks so much, Brad. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to speak on behalf of what I think is an incredible industry. Um, you know, I was really born into the hairstyling, and that is not a joke. I was literally in my mother's stomach until she was about eight and a half months pregnant, and she was still behind the chair. So hairstyling for me, the industry really represents family. Um, and I say that because my mother, as well as my sister, are hairstylists, business owners in the industry. And I got into it really, you know, being in the salon at a young age and seeing the value that they brought to their guests, uh, the experience that they brought by doing their hair and making them feel great. So I got caught up in that. Um, and I was also forced to experience perms at a very young age, which... I probably don't want to go through again. Um, they kind of tortured me a little bit, but you know, there was so much good that came out of experiencing uh, them and the enjoyment that they brought to the guests and also how much I learned from them uh, being in the industry that it was a natural progression for me to also become a hairstylist. So I've been licensed for about over 20 years now and um, just really uh, growing and learning every day with this industry. Wow. So you were born into the family of hairstylists and estheticians. How would you relate that to your experience kind of growing up? Uh, well, I would say everything was really, everything was really tailored with self-care. And I say self-care because I think a, a lot of our uh, services are sometimes considered just beauty-based, but I think there's a shift. And I think right now what I see and experience is that that self-care is what really is preservation for people. It's about taking care of their scalp. It's about taking care of their, um, and looking upkept and looking well and feeling good. So a lot of that was um, kind of ingrained into me as growing up, uh, you know, doing masks on our skin and masks on our hair. It was kind of a wellness ritual, beauty ritual, if you will, but it was always something that was part of our family dynamic. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, both my brothers are bald. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how they got that unfortunate, you know, we know how it happens, but they always said, you know, we, we ended up not having hair and they felt like they were left out of it. <laughs> A lot, wow, but wow. it was something that my mother and my sister and I really, we, it's family. We really partake in a lot of the wellness traditions in relation to hair and beauty and aesthetic treatments that were part of uh, our family. Oh, wow. I didn't know we were so aligned because with myself, um, I mean, I've been in the hair and beauty industry many decades, but my mom was a hairstylist. My sister was a hairstylist. I'm fully licensed in hair aesthetics, massage, holistic as well. I was a salon owner. I've been a platform artist. I've been, which, which brings us to the next question. What was your defining moment when you knew you wanted to be a salon owner? Definitely watching my sister. Um, my sister has been in salon ownership for over 30 years. Very successful business um, to a point where she had to stop taking new clients. 
Um, and she got such an incredible uh, following and book of business that I was always taken aback by how she captivated her guests with her technical skills, but also her ability to perform in services and great, great outcomes. So I really, really, really watched her. Um, I did my apprenticeship with her. I did a lot of my mentoring with her and seeing how she excelled in business. I also got brought into that. Um, I started at a very young age before I even started hairstyling school, before I even started my apprenticeship, I started helping out with things around the salon, you know, uh, asking guests for if they would like beverages, taking care of sweeping the floor, doing the laundry, all the things that makes the salon run synergistically. Yes. So, you know, those backside, uh, behind the scenes things are very important and it makes a business run successfully. And I got caught up in loving it. I got caught up in loving to see how when things are done properly behind the scenes, um, mm -hmm. and I'm going to touch on that with education a little bit later, yeah. but when things are done properly behind the scenes in relation to business and how your business should run and how the guests feel in your space, I knew I wanted to embody that. It was a, it was a natural stepping point. Exactly. And that's what we say, like you were also a business development consultant, but what would you say is the most common challenges of the businesses that you, uh, that you worked with? Very good question. So yes, I did work alongside uh, a very uh, great amount of business owners. I was a business consultant for Dermalogica. So I stepped out of the hair side for a few years and I went to the consulting side on the aesthetics and skin experience with Dermalogica. Um, I would say at that time, it was a lot of creating the conversation about why retail was important. I think there was a little bit of an apprehension for business owners at, at that time to really invest in retail. And that was probably based on maybe a lack of education on how to retail, how to get confident in up, upselling, but also recommending home care. So. I always love the education piece that comes with that because that is where if you are selling and retailing product and you have the knowledge about the product behind you, you know the features, you know the benefits, that's really where I was able to empower my accounts as a business consultant to be comfortable with talking about the product, talk about the ingredients, and that is what it's going to hit home with guests when they decide to buy a product off your shelf and go home and mm -hmm. use it. Exactly. What would be a good percentage then? So if somebody is putting retail into their salon, what percentage of the sale should be retail? Should be 5%, 10%, 30%? What's a really good number to target, like a target they should try to hit? I really think a great target point would actually be probably on the higher side to 40%. And let's say, for instance, that doesn't happen every single sale or service that happens for the guest, but it should happen if the guest tries one product one time and one product another, and then they've got a whole home care regime to work with. So we do want our guests to have that longevity at home with service and retail professional products will give them that, that point of difference. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because I think it's almost like a course within itself, because there's re retail on the shelf, which is money that's just kind of sitting there, where I think as a professional, that should be part of our arsenal toolkit that we have. We don't just cut hair, color hair, perm hair, do all that stuff. 
at-home care is also part of that as well. And that's going to elongate your color, make it last longer. Your perms are going to be better. The hair is going to be healthier. You know, just to recommend, even to recommend an add-on treatment or to add on something like that, or to get the proper shampoo or they say, well, my, my scalp is oily, but my ends are dry, mm-hmm. you know, to know the right products to recommend to them because a lot of times people say well the stuff's over there ask the receptionist or you know if you like it then buy it or you know if you want something I'll pick something out for you you have to I think be the authoritarian and say I'm the professional here you don't go to a garage and tell the mechanic how to fix your car unless that's your background Mm -hmm. this is what we trained in and to train to be a hairstylist as you know isn't cheap it's thousands of dollars to get our certification, plus we have to pay for a membership, plus we have to have licensing, plus we're governed. <laughs> so there's a whole yeah. a whole point, you know, to that. But another element, which is your next step, I think, is education. But I'm sure mm-hmm. our listeners here would love to hear more about your role and experience and your journey now with Algonquin College. Thank you. I I certainly is something I'm very proud of. Um, I have a lot of time invested as an educator. I started teaching at Algonquin College just over 11 years ago, Brad. And one of the reasons I got um, drawn into the education side is that I was working in sales and I was doing freelance hairstyling. And I always noticed in both of those roles that there's an element of education that comes along with it, whether it was educating, uh, going into the colleges and educating students, future students about working in the industry with great professional products. So I actually had the opportunity to go into a lot of Ontario colleges and speak on behalf of Dermalogica. And there was a a, a light bulb moment that went off for me and I was actually at an Ontario college um, and I was with a group of about 50 students and we were talking about the brand and we were talking about the industry and they were, they were so curious. They were so engaged. They were so passionate. I left that day and I said to myself, I want to do this every day. Mm -hmm. I want to be around these types of individuals. And at that point in time, Algonquin College was looking for faculty to help in the hairstyling program. And I applied and started working. And 11 years later, you know, (laughs) I've been fortunate to be part of course development for the college. I've been fortunate Mm -hmm. enough to be a very small part in some students' lives that have gotten to our industry and done incredible things. And I can tell you, seeing their success is incredibly rewarding. That is the best part of being an educator. Um, It really has been uh, such a formidable experience. I think that's what it is too. That joy that you get, as I say, putting those curriculums together, but seeing that you've when the light bulb goes on for a student or they you've seen that change or the transformation of when they started, you know, the, at the college and by the time they finish. But we have so many levels to us and you're a master of one that that because as hairstylists now, we're not just hairstylists that cut hair, perm hair, color hair, that we also have to be smart in business. We have to be smart in what I'm going to make my point now. You have the most amazing social media, your Instagram social media is incredible. So what tips can you give for those who want like a better online social media presence? Okay, so content is everything, right? I will say that. Um, 
people that want to follow your social media, whether it's your business or your social personal, make the content authentic and make the content about the business. So for me, in my particular business with the social media component, it's always about staying on brand. And for me, on brand is and means a lot of different things. It means wellness. It means products that are cruelty-free, eco-consciously packaged. And with that, I make a point of adding that into all of my content. And I also make sure my content is regular. So you don't want to disappear off Instagram for weeks and weeks. You need to be continuous with content. It needs to keep coming up. And the other component is engagement. So guests uh, that view our social media, they want to get involved. They want to be part of a draw, of a giveaway. Mm-hmm. They they want to have feedback. They want to see what is important to them. So whenever I post something, I always make sure every few posts are going to captivate a different guest or a different mm-hmm. guest's interest. Um, and then it's sometimes just about having fun. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had some giveaways lately that have been just so fun to get people involved, mm-hmm. you know, post a comment, do a share. And authentically, I always believe that if I'm going to put something on my social media, I've got to believe it. It's mm-hmm. got to be true. I've got to see the results. So for me with product, when I talk about a certain brand, mm-hmm. I've tried it. I've put it to the test. I've seen the results. Now I'm going to endorse it. And as a stylist, as you would probably agree, as somebody in Mm -hmm. this industry, we don't want to send a guest home with something that's not going to benefit them or give them results. We want them to come back and say, wow, you were Mm -hmm. right. My hair feels incredible. Or I really, really enjoyed that. That is the ultimate goal all the time. Mm -hmm. And do you believe that having a little bit of personal stuff in your social media is okay too. So you get that connection with them. So it's okay if they maybe post a picture of their puppies or their spouse or a day at the beach or something, but still relay it back to the brand. <sighs> Careful line with that. Okay. I do feel like, I do feel like as a representative of a business, there is a personal side that guests want to share or know. And I say that because guests become family. You know, Mm -hmm. they do, they truly become part of your family. You learn a lot of things about them personally, but I feel like there's a fine line between what we post personally and also what's in good taste. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, right now with what's going on in the state of the world, I'm very cognizant of posting things about before and afters because there's a lot of people sitting back right now that can't get their hair done. Mm -hmm. So do I want to evoke a negativity with the post? No, I I want to have inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, So something that's still engaging, but positive. So personal stuff. Yes. To a component, maybe what ties in with the brand. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I I talk about what might be important to me with wellness and the approach to product, but it isn't necessarily just personal, you know, always personal. It's got to be related to the brand. Because I think too, when you're on Instagram, Instagram is almost like a magazine. So it's beautiful pictures. And if people are looking at a magazine through your your um, feed that they would see and same with and I know you also do quite a few Insta stories and that sort of thing as well. And I think that's a better way also for people to engage and with the stories and people can come on. But you can also share then a point of view or like you said, right now, yes, we're in 
uh, a pandemic or a lot of salons are closed. And some areas they are, in some areas they aren't. But we still have to be very aware of these people, which kind of brings me to my next question. How important would you say the role of psychology plays in relating to people? Hmm, huge. <laughs> it's huge. huge. We'll, we'll do a mini version. Yeah, both you and I have both taken psychology and oh, I've taken so sociology and we're very aligned more than you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's really exciting. I love that about you, Brad. And I, yeah. I love that we both have that background. And, and there's a lot of times that within a conversation with a guest, I draw upon things that I've learned based on psychology and, and it's a lot of listening and interpretation. And then sometimes it's about, um, you know, just being very open. It's about being not sitting back and having an opinion. It's about just being open. And I think that when you have different guests with different views coming in, um, and then you also have a background of, you know, how people mm -hmm. communicate and why, what they express, what it says about them. Uh, I, I try not to read too much into no. that because, you know, when you're building rapport with a guest, the, the, the last thing you want to do is ever judge them. Mm -hmm. um, it's very open. I'm, I'm very open to any opinion and, and I am open to having conversations. I will express my views, but I am sometimes guarded and a little bit careful because mm -hmm. you'd never want to um, diminish rapport with a guest or tell them an opinion that might off put. So with the psychology side, I have learned so much. It has been a really interesting experience to tie back into what happens behind the chair. Exactly, exactly. And too, because we're like almost their therapist in some ways. People like to share with us. People like to, you know, raise their concern or they would tell us stuff they would never tell anyone else and say, you have to be very diplomatic. You can't tell them certain things. They go home and say, my stylist told me. And then you have somebody coming in saying, why did you tell this person this? But speaking exactly. of a voice and speaking to relating to people, you're currently on the board of OPA, which is the Ontario Hairstylist Association, Professional Hairstylist Association. Um, how did OPA come to be? So what I can say about OPA is uh, I got captivated to be part of OPA based on um, a few reasons, but I would say the highlight, the highlight really top reason would be an individual that I was networked with and met a few years ago. Uh, her name is Tanya Hill and she is the vice president of OPA. She is an educated and inspiring person. I have so much respect for Tanya. So our paths crossed and um, we spoke about her background as a salon owner. She's also a stylist. Then she opened up about OPA. And I had heard of OPA um, through the faculty and the network of colleagues that I work with at Algonquin, but I hadn't had the um, high level introduction that Tanya gave me. And the association driving to inspire our industry to have a voice to talk more about mentoring to look at what's important for our industry because unfortunately we don't have a governing body in OCOT that's taking us anywhere mm -hmm. so for me aligning with OPA was really about coming together with like-minded people passionate about the industry trying to raise the bar because 
we are an incredible trade and we're one of the third largest trades in Ontario. Um, so Tanya captivated me and I have not looked back. I've committed myself to being a board member. It's probably one of the best decisions that I've made just becoming part of that and feeling like I'm connected to something. Mm-hmm. So with your role, what's your role on the OPA board? So I am a board member. So I take part in monthly meetings and uh, every month we're meeting and discussing a lot of what is going on in our industry, changes we can make to advance the integrity of our industry, but also to look at how we can support training, support apprenticeships, um, where we have made a lot of groundwork in during the current situation that we're in right now with the pandemic is to talk about getting notice to our MPPs, to talk about getting notification to our local mayors and public health units about why we are licensed in what we're licensed. We are licensed in sterilization. We're licensed in sanitation and disinfection of proper protocols for cleaning. So that really is something that when I joined OPA, I got more and more interested in because I feel as if, unfortunately, there's been a bit of a disconnect Mm-hmm. We should be recognized. And unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of fairness to our trade and industry. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and that's probably a whole, that's a whole conversation on its own. But how many, how many board members do you currently have on OPA? So our, our current board members, I believe we're up to 11. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah, what- so we've got a great connection of different people <laughs> in different, in different capacities. Um, you know, that have experienced different things, business ownership, different types of leadership. Um, and, and that's really where I learn and grow as well as a member and also how we can help members in our associations, what's important to them. You know, we are holding frequent info sessions to make sure that if there's an interest, come out, listen to a call. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, you're going to come on the call and you're going to network with people in our industry. And right now we need that more than ever. We need to be connected to people that are in our industry to bring our voices together. Exactly. Cause I know your first initial call, I was on that one when you were doing one and it was incredible seeing everybody there, hearing the voices and, and we really do need a voice for us. Like you said, there is OCOT, but then as I say with OCOT, they haven't been as vocal or they haven't been kind of out there or lined or really done anything with our industry. And that's one thing, because like you said, we do have as part of our course curriculum, you know, we do have bacteriology, cleansing and sanitation and say blood pathogen and I probably more than enough COVID-19 certificates already now and still with with us with salons they've been closed down they open up they did the new regulations they put up the you know the partition glass yeah the, everything they take the temperatures they do that like we've done everything that's been asked of us mm-hmm. but yet you know what I mean we're, we're still mm-hmm. closed down or we're open we're closed we're open we're closed we're open we're yeah closed. And you know, you know what, to, to make a parallel to yeah. that, and you know, I'll be careful about what I say here, yes. but I know this is kind of a hot topic. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's in the medical field and mm-hmm. it's been a comment that, you know, why are certain areas of uh, care and wellness mm-hmm. available, but ours is not. And yes. I think there is, there is a perception that what we do is all about Uh, beauty and fluffy and, you know, making people feel good about looking good. And it's not about just 
the look, Mm -hmm. the feel of having a clean scalp, a clarified scalp, a properly, um, a prop, a properly done pedicure for somebody who struggles with movement or mobility. You know, those are things that our clients and guests come to Mm -hmm. us for. They depend on us and, you know, not having a haircut for several months that weighs on people, especially Mm -hmm. if you're wearing your hair in a shorter hairstyle or the management of your hair is just not in your capacity that weighs on people. It affects their mental health. It affects how they look in the mirror and how they feel. Exactly. And that's certainly it's a mental health. Not everybody comes just for the haircut. Some because they just need to vent. They just need to talk. They need to feel better because even for some, just even coming in, having your hair shampooed or whatever, it's wellness. It's basically wellness. We are part of the wellness industry psychologically, because that's what we're also transforming as well. We transform their image of themselves. We, we do more than just, just cut hair. Yeah. And and on that point, just to say one more Mm -hmm. thing about that, you know, I have a few guests that have mobility issues with their Mm -hmm. arms and getting a really good scalp massage. It shows in the scalp. Mm -hmm. They are not able to do that. So when they come to me, I can do that for them. They don't struggle with the mobility issue. Their scalp stays healthy and that goes a long way in them feeling and looking good. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it because they say it is then a health concern. Like you said, a pedicure. What if somebody has ingrown toenails? What if somebody's elderly that they can't have somebody do and then they have to then infection sets in or something right. else? But we are definitely important and we may be repeating something you've already said, but kind of what initiatives has OPA taken thus far or you know plan to take in the future? So I think OPA right now, because of where we are in the situation of a pandemic, we are really trying to create what we would ask for and to call to action is fairness. Mm-hmm. If 25% of businesses, uh, are 25% capacity are available to all businesses, all offerings of services, then our industry should be as well. So what we're trying to do right now is really get that fairness mm-hmm. message across to local MPPs, to our mayors, but also to advocate that, you know, here's what we're trained in with the bacteriology Mm -hmm. and the cleaning. Here's what we're trained in. We've done it. We've continued to do it. Our cases Mm -hmm. have been very low, if any, Mm -hmm. and work with us because we want to work. You know, diminishing our ability to work is, I think, the big takeaway here, we want to work, we want to work with the government, or we're advocating for that voice right now to have them know, you know, we are hairstylists, but we're a mm-hmm. lot more than just doing hair. Exactly. So how does OPA plan to help Ontario hairdressers, like maybe getting information out there or emails or that sort of thing? So what's their main their main uh, focus plan to help the hairstylists of Ontario? So the focus right now is awareness to our local MPPs. So letter campaigns, we are trying very much to work on having that that fairness message brought to them and advocating for what we have been trained in and making sure that they're aware of it. Um, We are reviewing different, uh, so I'll say different industries and what they've been trained in in bacteriology and making parallels to 
If that's similar or if it's different, if we needed to upgrade, then here it is and we will do it. You know, just getting that message across to them, um, it, really having a voice, because unfortunately, as you, we've both mentioned, mm-hmm. OCOD is not doing that for us. No, not at all. What do, you, what do you believe the biggest challenge is right now for hairstylists, salon owners and the beauty industry itself? Well, I can say for what I what it feels happening within certain regions in our province is when there are lockdowns and shutdowns, um, you know, what, and that's what's impacting us the most right now. Unfortunately, a business owner in, let's say, an area in Toronto will see their guests go to a different region and have their hair done somewhere else. You know, what that means as a, as a business owner who has built loyalty with that client, who has secured that client and, and built that rapport, it is incredibly detrimental to their future mm-hmm. of their business. Because now that one individual has gone somewhere else, but that one individual turns into five, it turns into 10, it turns into 20. So it's a domino effect that a lot of our businesses are seeing their business go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. They're also seeing their businesses go to the drugstore. And exactly. I am witness to this because mm-hmm. sometimes I hang out in the hair color yeah. aisle of the drugstores, <laughs> picking up clients. <laughs> um, you know, I have seen those aisles and that specific mm-hmm. aisle in the drug mart, shoppers drug mart, which is in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's always full right now. Yes. You know, and, and I base that on two reasons. I see it, but I also have guests that are still contacting me to say, I want to color my hair. What should I do? Mm-hmm. At that point, you know, we want to give them the right product, the professional product that would be, you know, the best benefit for their hair, not sending them to the drugstore no. to go and buy drugstore color. No, and that, and that's the, the main thing, because I think that's the dilemma now with some stylists. They, they want their clients to hang on, but it's then, do I put together an at-home color kit? Don't I? Because too... Legally, I don't believe we can sell them professional product, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people will wait if they want to wait. If they're that good for, you know, the, they'll wait. But then again, yeah. I think that's to the discretion of the, the person themselves and what they, they choose to do. But uh, did you and I did, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, right there, you hit kind of a, a sensitive spot, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do see a lot of salon owners taking the professional kits uh, color and making them into home color yes. kits for the guest. I mean, and they are selling that. Okay, so they're creating a bit of retail revenue mm-hmm. from that because it is now at this point retail, even though it's professional. But, you know, they're so we, we want our guests to go home and feel good and look Mm -hmm. good. We want them to feel their best. So maybe that benefits them. But for me, there's so many things that could go wrong there. Uh, Over-processing time, Mm -hmm. uh, they've mixed it. It's the wrong equivalents or ratios. Mm -hmm. It's a tough area. Do I want my guests to hold on and not go to the drugstore? Yes. Do I want to send them home with the color that is professional that I shouldn't be selling? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, because it's a tough one. Yeah, and most colors now, it's, it's you know, with any kind of color, every color is almost correction, where they have sun lightning, where they have this, and people don't always apply properly all the way, all the way around. I guess exactly. it offers a solution, like you said, now we have to be much more creative. If our doors are closed, and now we have curbside pickup, how can we make other streams of revenue. Some do online education, some do color kits, some put Mm -hmm. together. Um, But I think the main thing is always being in communication with your clients. Send them an an email, 
uh, do a little video and say, hey, it's me wondering how you're doing. This is where we're at right now. So as of yet, the date is such and such that we're ready to open. We're glad to take you on. I know mm -hmm. some clients are frustrated because they've been booked, canceled, rebooked, canceled, booked, recanceled. Mm -hmm. So it's just, but eventually we'll reach some equilibrium where it will kind of um you know it'll it'll all kind of balance but yeah where, i think where, the, the alternate i'll say one thing brad just yeah, the alternative ahead. to sending them home with color mm -hmm. or the alternative to them going to the drugstore is there's a lot of great products out there that will pro provide coverage whether it's a spray or a, yeah. a, a mascara wand or so you know there are pro i have some products in my uh, repertoire from uh, a brand that i use and i would recommend that first and foremost over the color because as you said the application, the color correction and the um, damage, not damage, but hopefully mm -hmm. not like a big correction would come yes. possibly from them doing their own color. Of course. And that's what it is. I mean, we're all, all going to have correction from box color anyway. That's mm -hmm. just going to be the rea the reality of it. But when uh, or what do you think are some possible solutions? So with the color or do you mean just in just, services um, in general? Solution, solution for kind of the the challenges in the industry right now? Oh, that's a hard one to answer. They're, they're um, just personal. If nothing comes to you, that's fine. But as I say, I think it's more about being aligned, being united, being on the same page. You know, yeah. us as, as, what do you say? There's 32,000 hairstylists, you know, that Over. we all, we, we all become, we all become connected. But I think one way to do that is to become a member of OPA, which I'm going to ask you right now. So what are kind of the benefits of becoming an OPA member? Well, I think first and foremost, one of the benefits is becoming connected to a strong network of like-minded industry people um, that can keep you motivated, but also keep you informed of what's going on. So right now, OPA is doing everything we can, and we are really getting first line information about our industry. And we want it to go out to our members as soon as it becomes available. So if you follow OPA on Instagram or Facebook, you're going to see updates. Uh, if we get an announcement, we're going to announce it there as well. And it's going to be timely because our members need to know. Uh, our members, if you're a member, I think that network and connection is going to be the strongest thing you have right now. The other thing that we do offer is we offer some sponsorship uh, opportunities to salon owners. And what that means is that your logo and your brand and the name of your business is going to be at the forefront of our uh, social media pages, our website, so that people know you are part of an association that's advocating for our industry. Exactly. And we're also doing, which is brand new. You now have a new media page, you know, thanks. And Penny, Penny Douglas, who is part of OPA as well. She's on there um, now yourself, but we're having conversations like this. So members can be engaged. They mm -hmm. can know what's going on. They can meet the people behind OPA to know they are really experienced. They are from the industry or know about the industry. They're not just random people who decided let's start a group and let's, and a lot of them, you know, have a lot of experience with the governing body and working with the government of how this, you know, hairstylist kind of industry works. But if people kind of wanted to find out more information, which you kind of already mentioned, kind of where would they go to find more information? I think 
right now, our social channels are really a great place to find information. The media coverage page that you've mentioned, that is really well done by a lot of our members. My hat is off to them. They have really worked hard on this. Yes, that is another place that they can find. And then really one of the things we are going to be doing very soon is setting up another info session. We held one a few months ago and we had an amazing turnout. Mm -hmm. uh, I can tell you that the call was so inspiring and you know, we're there to advocate. We're, I think what you said is really important, Brad. You said, you know, we're all a members, we're all members, but we're a bunch of really talented, educated mm -hmm. people who have come together to draw in similar people. You know, I, I heard a, an anecdote at one point about, you know, we're just a group of, we could, we're just angry. We're just angry hairstylists. You know, we're not angry. We're advocating. We are trying to bring awareness and that is something that can be sometimes a little bit of anger perceived as passion. But if anything, there is no shortness of passion on our team no. and with our members. Exactly. And you, and you hit it right on. It's about awareness and fairness. That's just all we really want. Nobody wants to speak out, but, you know, we we want to come together. And I think we should. I don't think, you know, as far as education, as far as hairstylists getting together, I don't think there's a competition. I think there's more than enough people for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sort of thing but I could go on for like another hour but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap up there's so much to talk about but in closing what's a nugget of gold you would kind of leave our audience well you know I kind of want to speak to the, the the student or the apprentice level and the reason I want to speak to that level uh, with a closing remark is there's there's a lot of information that students that learn in any entry-level hairstyling education they take on a lot of information you know they take on a lot of the foundational basics that are learnt in our industry in related to building technical skills and one of the things i want to say with that is when you are finished your hairstyling school and you go into a salon you become an apprentice um it I know that this has been talked about before, and I truly believe that there needs to be strength in this area that is very important to align yourself in a very strong, supportive apprenticeship role with whoever takes you on as an apprentice and how you guide yourself as an apprentice. Because, you know, case in point, you cannot get good at the advanced techniques in this industry like balayage, foilage, ombre, all these advanced artistic uh, outcomes without learning the basics. And I say that because I have seen it over every student who has gone through our program, you know, um, and I've experienced it as a technical skilled stylist. I want to master, and for students, you want to master a full head of foils to the best of your ability with the right speed and the right technique mm -hmm. before you can take on the advanced techniques because they are foundational learning. So as an apprentice, you go into the salon and if the expectation is for you to do something advanced, step back because you're not there yet. And it's not to say that you won't get there, but just take your time building that experience and technical skill ability because you know what's going to have you want to have good outcomes you want to have good outcomes and you want to be very comfortable in your craft so i speak to that because as you know brad mm -hmm. everything is advanced these days yes. shadow root smudge root foilage boil balayage yep. 
Everything is so advanced with hair technical. We want to make it look lived in, mm -hmm. but there's so many steps to make it look like that. So don't look at the advanced techniques and think I'm never going to get there because you've got to work on the basics first. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing wisdom. But I think not even for the, the new stylist. I think it's for also the seasoned stylist. Believe Thank me, you. I, I, I've You're right. all across Canada and the shops I've seen, most seasoned hairstylists can't even do a blow dry. I'm sorry, they can't do okay. a blow dry. But you know, but to say like to do it perfectly, because when I trained, I'm more European trained. I trained with the world champion for two years with my license, but we had to blow everything out with a round brush. Everything had to be smooth, no irons. But, but just as I say, getting those basic fundamentals, it was scary to me how many licensed stylists were out there that need training still. You know what I mean? But we have a voice with OPA. So my suggestion was, you know, become a member of OPA. I know when I saw your kind of online session, I, I was intrigued. I signed up right away and I don't sign up for anything. I don't feel <laughs> connected to, I don't feel, um, you know, sometimes you just, you just kind of know, is this something or is this just another group that started that has no yeah. voice that follow me, follow me and nothing happens. And but that's a good point. Cause we are nonprofit. We're a nonprofit mm -hmm. association. We are not looking to have a, you know, a profitable experience here. We're looking to inspire excellence. We're looking to bring in like-minded individuals in our industry to raise the bar, empower our future of this industry. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and the technical side with the skills that you touched on is so yeah. important. It really is important to build technical skills that start at the basics, that start at foundation and build from there. Yeah, because I think the profit, even though there's not monetary profit, I believe there's profit for the people as part of it, because you're going to find connections you could never get otherwise. You're going to find information you could never get otherwise. You're going to find how, like, as you say, with, with OPA paving the way as far as connecting MPPs, as far as talking mm -hmm. to government, as far as getting on, and I know Tanya's done a couple of things on uh, media, like as yes. news shows so and is, things like that. Thank like, you for yeah. mentioning that. And I don't know how um, I haven't mentioned that yet, but yes, the media coverage. So we have been uh, brought up to CTV. We have had great media coverage, some excellent radio coverage. The other thing that I think it really provides people in our industry, Brad, is an outlet. You know, mm -hmm. it's an outlet to connect because right now, where is that happening? If it's on social media and with other stylists, that's great. But where, what's the message? Where is it going to, you know, if you want to be connected and have an outlet we, on our info session, the last one we had, we had such a great forum for our new coming people just to talk, tell us what you're experiencing. Tell us what is going on in your businesses and everyone benefits from that. It was such an open and fair platform mm -hmm. um, that really inspired me more. You know, I learned I learned so much, you know, I'm a board member, happy to be, but I learned so much from other owners and stylists. And I know that anybody joining us is going to have that same mm -hmm. value and takeaway. Exactly. I know I was on there. It was, it was literally packed. It was literally packed. It wasn't like six people. It was packed and everybody has a voice. And I think with hairstylists, we're naturally creative. We're naturally conversationless. We're naturally, and I think for them, a lot of them just want to somewhere, somewhere that they can vent to or, yes. or just kind of share their experience of what they're going through right now and to have a governing body that will listen to them and mm -hmm. be their voice. Because yeah. basically that's the way 
you know, um, things are supposed to work. It's supposed to be the voice for the people, right? And, and the take the takeaway could be that someone else talks about a similar thing you're experiencing and they came up with a solution. Mm-hmm. And you might not have thought of that. It might not have been something that, uh, you know, was your original idea, but it's something that we all benefit from. And that happened mm-hmm. on our last call when we were talking about how to connect with our guests through e-commerce, how to connect with our guests through social media now in this time. What are some content related things that our guests and clients want to see during a time when they can't actually see us? You know, for me, I, I know I'm going on and on here, but oh, for go me, ahead. Opening up, we got time. Yeah, <laughs> for me. Uh, I I often have students tell me I talk too much or too fast. So, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know, for me, it was opening up virtual consults and, Mm -hmm. you know, for hairstyling. And I know a lot of people in the medical field are doing this nurses and cosmetic and things like that. They're doing a lot of virtual consults. But for me, when we were shut down the first time in December, I thought, why not? I'm going to do virtual consults. And the pivotal thing is, is that I'm a newer business building my business and I need to connect with those clients now because if not, they're going to go somewhere else when they can. Mm-hmm. So having a complimentary virtual consult right now is really important. Even just letting a potential guest mm-hmm. speak about what's going on with their hair. You can just tell a weight comes off their shoulders. They feel like they've connected to us as a professional to say, you know what? My hair feels like this. What can I do? What are some options? I mean, that is my go-to right now, virtual concerts and making sure I can connect with potential guests and that they still have an ability to speak with me and have connection. Yeah. And that's amazing. You didn't just sit at home saying, I'll just wait until it's time for me to open back up again. Mm. But anyway, no, listening- I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, t- oh. <laughs> I'm too high energy to do that. Like I would go crazy. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, connect with the people like what's it going to cost you 10 or 15 minutes or even 30 minutes to talk to somebody new then that also gives you now credibility because they get to talk to you they get to see you and they think this person has taken time to listen to me where they might call another salon they get the machine and it's like we'll call you when we open And you know what, it allowed me to actually have such a great initial consult that when we did get to reopen again on February 16th, uh, one of the first guests I had, I had already compiled a whole page of hair color history, likes and dislikes, Mm -hmm. you know, all that content. And the, 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 I will tell you the appointment went seamlessly because I did my education I did my gathering information. I had my guests release all that great hair history to me mm-hmm. ahead of time. It also gave me time to think about formulating, which, you know, exactly. I don't know if you're ever <laughs> caught on the fly with this, but sometimes mm-hmm. we think, huh, yeah, yeah, that, or what about this? It gave me time to do my legwork. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and a fun thing I do, it's called a little hairdo party. So you get a couple of clients and then you do a little hairstyle with them. So they kind of get to engage. They make it fun. You can maybe different styles of ponytails or whatever. It doesn't have to be. But then you're engaging with them. They're having fun. They're part of it. And they may invite a friend. As I say, it doesn't cost you anything but time. But in the end, you actually make far more income by giving a little bit of yourself. Mm -hmm. And once you record that, that has a shelf life of forever. <laughs> Excellent. I love you know? that idea. Okay. Yeah. I might, I might piggyback yeah. off that. Yeah. And just do, and it could be anything that you're, or even maybe you're a balayage specialist, maybe show your clients on it. You're not teaching them as hairstylists, but you're showing them as clients and saying, these are the benefits. 
this is what I use, why I use it. Here's the mm. benefit of something because all my salons have always been organic and vegan. So nice. that's how, and that's what I teach on. That's how I've always had my, as I say, we're really, really aligned. I talk really fast yeah. like you as well. So when I'm excited, oh, okay. I talk quicker. <laughs> and you're like, I got to get in. I got to get in. You know, that, that sort of thing. But I say for me, OPA itself, even though I'm a member, I'm not paid to do this. I'm, you know what I mean? Um, to me, it's more, it's more like family. It's more mm -hmm. like a community than it really is like, here's this entity that I believe is going to speak for me and I never hear from them. Yes, believe and me, tr truthfully, we're, we're both not paid. You're a member, I'm a board member, yeah. I'm not paid. I devote my time because I want to. I devote my time, it's my choice. Um, you know, and that comes with benefit. It comes with great benefit. Mm -hmm. Any, like you said, anytime you put in now, it's going to pay off later. Exactly. Because one thing I always believed, money comes through ser service. So the more service you do, the more money you'll make. You, you just because a lot of people think you can get instant, you know, riches overnight. Everything is no. quick. Or I'm going to take that advanced balayage course and I'm going to charge 350 bucks a client and I'm going to make a whole load of money. But when they start coming back with orange hair and spotty, <laughs> you know, and nothing and too, because a lot of people don't know how to do a shadow root. They don't know how and they do shadow roots with permanent color. Don't do that. But then, <laughs> you, but just then said that you just said a bad word. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but learn somebody who knows, like, say, with with Natasha. Yes, she's on OPA, but follow her on social media. We'll put your links there as well. That'd but be then, great. I love that. Then that way people can follow you. And if they have any questions, they can DM you, they can PM you, they can message you because we're all out there to help each other. Absolutely. So if we're in a way or they can ask you or just say if it's something in regard to something out of our area, we can, um, you know, suggest maybe talking to other members at OPA or some other resource that may have your answer. But mm -hmm. um, as, as we wrap, definitely become a member of OPA. Definitely follow them on social media. Uh, it's at OPA Association. Um, if you go to the website, it's oph-association.com. So we'll have those links there as well. And basically, make sure to like, comment, share. Um, and I want to like, I'm just blown away, Natasha. I'm just blown away by your brilliance, by your sort of empowerment as a woman, which I imagine is not easy. Being in business and being a female in business, it can be a little bit tougher. <laughs> you're, you, well, I must say, first off, you're very generous. Thank you, Brad. Uh, I love that we're so like-minded. And, you know, just even mm. from this and discussing mm -hmm. OPA, um, that's where we connect. Like, that is it. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I hope people see that, is that I know you now because of OPA. Yes. And we connected because of OPA. So mm -hmm. this connection and being on OPA will provide other people great connections like this. Because yeah. I know this is just the starting point. <laughs> Um, but yes, it's very generous of you. And yes, being in business is a challenge. Um, you know, it, it can be, it's all consuming, you know, I will say that. And I think like you can relate, you eat, sleep and drink it. You think about it all the time. You're always thinking the mm -hmm. wheels are turning, uh, about, uh, creating great content or creating great hair and mm -hmm. meeting guest needs. And, you know, for me, a lot of that, and I'm going on and on again, but for me, a lot of that is just soliciting feedback. And I think mm -hmm. being on OPA is basically going to give you the opportunity to give feedback, talk mm -hmm. with your network, 
talk with like-minded individuals. Uh, we solicit our guests for feedback. You know, we, mm -hmm. we have the ability to do the same thing with OPA. Go to OPA, gain information, get knowledge, be inspired to do more for our industry. We are strong. We are going to see this through in a very strong way. I know we will. And coming to OPA is going to give you a foothold in that right now. Wow, that's amazing. I, I keep wanting to talking to you. I keep I know, I, I know. I have more Let's questions than again. We can keep we can have a part two, a part three, we can have because there's so much. So one question that came to my mind because your nugget of gold was about students. So this this happened when I was in school. So many students, once they leave school, want to open their salon right away. What's your <laughs> what what's your your suggestion for that? <laughs> Such a great question. Such a great, and, and it, it can be a tipping point for students at that stage because, uh, you know, there's a lot of drive to be an entrepreneur. There's a lot of commitment comes from being an entrepreneur. There's also a lot of reward, but there's also a lot of uh, responsibility and a lot of risk. So, you know, what I would say, if you know, because I experienced this actually in, in a little bit of a different capacity. But when I first graduated from hairstyling school, my sister had just opened her business. And at that, this was over 20 years ago. And at that point, she said to me, you know, do you want to come in with me? Do you want to do this together? And, you know, I thought about it and I was, you know, I felt like I was a few steps ahead because I had been in the salon my whole life. But I still felt on top of learning my skill set, now I was going to be encompassing a business responsibility and ownership. Mm. I did it. We went in together. Five years later, I burnt out. Uh. I burnt out because I was working behind the chair a lot. And I am so grateful for that, the time and the commitment that guests gave to me and I gave to them. But then I went home and did a lot of the business stuff. And five years of that, I had to step outside. I had to step out of one of the roles to let the other one grow more. Mm -hmm. And I did step out of the business ownership side so that I could work on being a stylist, work on the service end. You know, I still got caught up in helping because even though I stepped out, I was still working with my sister. So we hired actually all in the family. We actually hired a cousin of ours and she took over my side and I was able to focus on the service. But, you know, putting both of those together initially was challenging. So what I would say, pick one, know the risk and reward that comes from being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But also know that if you are a student and you have so much technical skill to then perfect and learn that if your passion is the service, then go towards the service. Mm -hmm. And I say that because both pathways I have seen work for some students. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Brad, having an education mm -hmm. background and getting the opportunity to be around some of our students for the last 11 years, I've seen great success from students that have taken the business path right out of the gate. And I've seen incredible success for others who have been on the service side. Mm -hmm. So pick one, be passionate about it. Think long and hard about the opportunities and the time you have to give to both. And also think about what truly is a passion for you. What truly is your happy place? Mm -hmm. um, for now, <laughs> I will say after all that experience, having both is my happy place. But what I will say with that <laughs> is... For me, in the way I run my business, it's about quality over quantity. 
I do a lot of advanced color techniques, probably similar, like a lot of people. I book two to a max of three clients in a day because some clients take up to three and a half to four hours to do a major balayage, a major color correction. So quality over quantity, I can concentrate on the business. I'm also an educator. I'm also a mom. <laughs> so, you know, at this point in my life, I feel like I found the balance, but it took me years, mm -hmm. literally years. Exactly. Because when you have that pie, if you take something out of one piece, you know, if you want more in this side, you're going to have to take it out of somewhere else. Exactly. So if you want to spend more time at the salon, it's going to take more time away from your family. It's going to take more time away from vacation. It's going to take time away from there's always that balance. And probably in our next our next session, we can talk more about family life balance, working with family, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff as well, because there is a lot and there are a lot of hairstylists that are providing for their family. And yes. it's like. I need to be at home with my kids, but I also need to work in order they can eat, have clothing and, you know, getting that, that balance of having a vacation, which I think one thing is because yeah, one thing that's wrong is salon owners do not pay themselves, which I think is number one wrong, <laughs> but this is a whole other episode, but I, I want to keep, we've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> See how fast it goes. But in our part mm -hmm. two, if you'll, you know, engage me and come back, we'll talk more about these kind of relative relative things because it just blows me away the the amount of wisdom you have. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful you've uh, you know you found that. And I agree with you. Salon mm -hmm. owners, we have to have accountability for our time. You know, everybody has to have accountability for our time. But when you're a business owner and a service provider, your time just got even more compressed. You know, like you said, add the family dynamic into that and the pie gets less and less and less. So mm -hmm. be accountable for your time. And, you know, going back to OPA, uh, mm -hmm. the time for me that I put into OPA is always beneficial. I never get off a board member call and think, Oh, I just lost an hour. I mm -hmm. always leave going amazing. Grind, grind, grind. Let's work, yeah. work, work. We've got things to do. There's movement. There is a voice. And I always benefit from putting my time in with OPA. Yeah, because it's amazing. And I want to do a final plug for the vice president and the president. So for Tanya and for Debbie, the work they do is incredible. I mean, follow um, uh, uh, Tapa Hair as well. Yes. We'll, put all, we'll put all these links down, but if you really want to see what some great social media looks like, you want to be informed. So I guess the, those are my two points. Number one, once you finish listening to this, go to the OPA website, sign up to become a member. Number two, follow um, them on social media. Number three, follow all the links I have below this video. <laughs> and great, uh, mess great message. <laughs> I echo all of that. You will not be disappointed. Our president, Debbie, and our vice president, Tanya, incredible, inspiring mm -hmm. women. I could not be prouder to be part of OPA. Amazing. So I want to say thank you, Natasha, for being part of today's conversation, because it's not really an interview. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue between two individuals sharing some same common ground. Um, so we hope that you'll come back next time. Make sure that you're going back to the OPA website on a regular basis. Check out all their pages, um, their media page, will, which this will be on, that you can kind of see. And for me, so I know I'll be watching and re-watching this over and over and over. Because 
there's so many notes that you can take and be and be inspired. Maybe have your own little um, hairdo party with your with your guests. It could be a small group. It could be a VIP invite with your most special clients that have not given up on you during this time. And you know that you'll see them soon. So I keep saying goodbye, but this time I really need it. So I want to say thank you so much, Natasha. And I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, everyone. It was a pleasure. I can't wait to be back.